Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. So today we conclude our series, uh, Not on the Sidelines. And our hope uh, through this series has been that we you've been encouraged to desire to learn to allow God to do God-sized things through you each and every day. Things that are something more than you can control. Things that are something that are more than you can know are wiser than you are. Things that are truly found only in God's power alone, his wisdom and his knowledge. And we've been examining what are often referred to as the power gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we've been talking about healing and miracles. We've been talking about the gift of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues and interpretation, and the discerning of spirits. And today we're going to talk about what's referred to as the gift of faith. In one sense, Every one of the spiritual gifts is given to encourage and strengthen our faith. So this is maybe a good way to wrap it up because of that. Yet there's this question I have. What exactly is the gift of faith as opposed to this more normal sense of faith that we have? Uh, because we all have some faith, right? We all have a measure of faith. But like wisdom and knowledge and discernment we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, faith This gift of faith is something that happens sometimes that God gives that's beyond our own ability or our own understanding. And I'm going to guess that many of you, maybe all of you in this room, have experienced that gift at one time or another. You've gone through a situation in your life that normally would have been really anxiety-producing or fear-inducing. And you came out the other side, and you, 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 when you came out the other side, you said, wow, I went through that with more peace and more strength, more confidence than I could ever have imagined. Or maybe somebody else said that about you, saying, that's not like you. That's not like me to face that in that way. Maybe it was realizing a dream that seemed impossible in your life and through all the stuff that seemed impossible along the way against all the odds you still persevered maybe you were facing a circumstance where you had a conflict that seemed overwhelming and impossible and you faced it with a greater sense of peace and confidence than you ever had that carried you through it or maybe it was a major loss or a life change that you faced and you went through it far better emotionally and spiritually than you ever had in the past that calm confident assurance that you would get through that really well, that you would achieve that dream and fulfill that dream, even though it looks so far away, that very well may have been a gift of faith given to you by the Holy Spirit. And one of the big values for us in recognizing that as a gift from God in those moments is that it it helps us realize it's not just a coincidence And it's not just some sort of unforeseen X factor that all of a sudden emerged in my life. But you get to recognize God's love and God's presence being with you in that moment. And it allows you to worship Him and it allows you to strengthen your faith to realize that was more than me. That was God with me. The Greek word in our text, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, faith, is the word pistis. And it's, it's... It means this, to be properly persuaded, to come to this place of trust. There's 
almost the sense of settledness in your inner being that goes on with this word. It's the issue, the belief, the, the feeling or orientation or the vision or the situation you're dealing with and you're thinking about it and there's a settledness that you have when you think about it, this confident, persuaded, assured sense. Now, some people confuse faith with big picture, big thinking visionaries. And certainly, the gift of faith can many times be associated with people's big visions. But the gift of faith, even in those moments of for those big visionaries, is not the issue they're looking at. The gift of faith is the settledness in their heart. It's the not needing to ramp up or hype stuff. It's not needing to have bravado or surrounding this big, hairy, audacious goal that you have. Uh, the difficulty, though, we have, again, in explaining the spiritual gift as, as opposed to the normal gift we go through life with, the normal gift that we get when we get saved and follow Jesus, this everyday thing, is, is, is that the gift of faith is the same in both of those. It's just a difference in measure. There are times when God graces us with a gift of extra special, in a sense, assurance or faith for a reason. So, for example, you may struggle through a difficult situation one time in your life, and maybe God chooses not to give you the gift of faith during that time period because he wants you to face through that time some bad beliefs that you have about yourself or about others or about him or about a situation. And the only way you can face those things is to feel it a little bit more. And then there's other times where you go through something that seems very similar that should produce all that same anxiety and frustration that you don't have anywhere near the amount of anxiety and fear and struggle. It's because God's gift of grace, of a gift of faith is given to you and you can face it with this confidence and with this sense of trust. And he's working in another area of your life during that time period. Now, because it's so hard to distinguish between the spiritual gift of faith and the normal, we're just going to spend the rest of our time today in Hebrews 11, which is where a lot of people go to illustrate faith, whether they're talking about spiritual spiritual gift or the normal gift of faith. And I'm going to read to you this today from the ESV instead of the NIV, like I normally do. Verse 1, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There are many different ways the Bible uh, describes faith, but I think this is the most concise and powerful definition of faith in all of the Bible. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In our world today, isn't it true that we spend a lot of our time focusing on making all of our decisions on what we can see, what we can explain, and what we can reasonably predict and, but faith, on the other hand, though it's not anti-reason at all, faith is the ability to have this sense of internal rest, to be able to see the future God is bringing even when things don't look like that future in our life. It's so easy to allow ourselves to go through life making decisions about jobs, about family, about church, or about other things based upon the cycles of up and down that we go through in our life. And when we hit a down phase or a flat phase, we think something's wrong and something needs to change. And, and, and oftentimes something does need to change, right? But too often we make our change decisions almost solely based upon those feelings of the circumstances of that down cycle. 
And we actually undercut God's development of faith in our life because faith is the ability to be assured, to be confident in what will be even when it isn't that way. But then it begs the question, faith in what? Faith in what? Again, sometimes we equate faith, and especially the gift of faith, with people who dare to dream really, really big dreams and do great things. And Wendy um, just got on Twitter this last week, finally. And she uh, probably will never post anything, she says, but she's amazed at the plethora of quotes from so many of her favorite authors. And as I was editing this message, she actually forwarded me a, a tweet by one of her authors that she likes to follow. J.R. Vassar is his name. And it's, he said this. He says, not all God-sized visions are from God. Many are from God's, from a God-sized ego and have absolutely no claim on God's provision. And what Vassar is getting at is are we living life through our own efforts, through our own reasoning, or are we following God and walking with Him in the dreams and the decisions we're making? How strong or big our faith is has little to do with the size of the dream. Hebrews goes on to talk to us about the basis for our faith, and it says this. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And what this is saying is the hope or goal of our faith is not something we dream up. It's something God dreams up for us. It's the Word of God to us. It's the one who speaks things into existence. And that faith can be generated from the, from the generic faith that God gives us by believing and reorienting our lives around what Scripture says. So, so sometimes it means that, that we need to trust when the Bible says we're co-heirs with God, that we need to train ourselves to trust that and to live life like we are co-heirs with Jesus as sons of, sons of the living God and have that kind of security. Sometimes it means we look at Scripture and we have to say, okay, the Bible says He's got good works planned for me in advance to do. I have to trust that that's good for Him, it's good for me, and it's good for others. And I, I need to train myself in faith to believe that that's the reality of my life, even when things aren't going well. It, it could be like believing that God is faithful to provide all of your needs. So that means He's faithful enough that I can be generous in my giving right now and discover that I lack nothing of importance even when I give, just as He promises. The Word of God can also be, outside of the Bible, it can also be this more sense of the Holy Spirit coming to us and speaking something very specific to us about a, a situation or about our purpose in life or even about a specific project or goals He wants us to achieve. There's a story in 1941 these two women were walking down a dusty, dry road in China. And they ran across this procession of men who were carrying idols and beating drums and yelling at the sky. And both women were walking along in their straw hats, and one was a very petite little Chinese woman, and the other was a six-foot-tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Norwegian missionary named Annie Bernson, often referred to as Sister Annie. The men stopped when they saw the women, and they came over and yelled at them, Take off those straw hats! Why? the women asked. 
And uh, the village leader, leader vehemently responded to him saying, because if the gods look down on you and see the dry grass on someone's head, they will get furious and they'll give us a more drought than we already have and our crops will die and we will die as well. And all the men continued to shout at them, take your hats off and burn them. And Annie kept her hat on. And she said, I cannot take my hat off in reverence to your idols. And the men responded by raising their sticks and threatening to beat her to death if she didn't take her hat off. And she said, wait, my God can give you rain. Your idols can't. And as the story is told, the the oldest man in the group responded to her saying, your God, we don't know any gods but our God. And Annie simply said, just wait and see. My God will turn the drought into rain, and he will give you rain by midnight tonight. And the men said, well, then, let your God show us these better than our gods. But if your God doesn't show up by midnight tonight, we're coming to the mission outpost, and we're going to kill both of you. The two women returned to the mission base, shared what they had done with the leader of the base. He was a little bit alarmed. And uh, he said, you shouldn't promise that. Why did you do that? I mean, if they come, they're not just going to kill you. They're going to kill all of us, and our work here will be done. And Annie simply replied, saying, I can only believe that it is God's will that I should live and continue to preach the gospel in this country. Therefore, I trust him to show who is the one and only God who can provide rain during this drought. See, Annie's faith was attached to both the promises of Scripture and the promises of God's calling on her life, saying what she would do and what she would accomplish in China for him. It wasn't founded in some sort of big, hairy, audacious goal or some other worked-up bravado, but it was found in the Bible and in a specific sense of calling and what God has spoken to her life about China. And the story is that God did show up that night before midnight in rain. And she went on to found the uh, what's called the Haven of Hope Hospital, which is still active today in Hong Kong. See, dreaming up something yourself is often born out of pride and bravado to make yourself feel good in comparison to others. But God wants us to let us to let Him shape your dreams, and then hold on to that dream with confident, settled assurance. That's what faith is, even when it hasn't yet come to pass. So when I tell you about some of the content of the dreams, for example, that that God gave us when we moved from Oregon to here, uh, it's something that God wants us to hold on to. It's something I hold on. It's something he wants us to hold on to as a congregation. He wants us to respond to it in faith and be convinced that it's going to happen before it's even fully realized. So, I've told you this before, you know, God showed us a picture in a dream of throngs of people driven by this, this pressure to succeed and this pressure to conform to a certain look and they're all in gray business suits and it was a, it was a dream and a picture of a strip mine and they're all brown and barren and there was no life anywhere in the picture. All of them wanting something more, wanting color in their lives. Jeremy and Alexis actually gave us this, uh, this picture to remind us of that vision a few years ago. It's a picture of the Columbus skyline. 
And we need to find faith. Our call is to help a culture that's driven for success to find a faith that allows color, allows breathing room in their life, allows life to be lived to the full instead of just the pressure to conform and look of your house, the look of your car, and the, and the business pace, and all the things you have to do, and the pump and the pressure. When we moved, Wendy actually never got a real strong, clear word from God about coming to Ohio. I got plenty of them. They were some of the most vivid uh, leading from God that I've ever had. But she did receive one dream about Quest that helped make her feel more comfortable in moving. In that dream, she was actually here at the Quest building. This is, she had the dream before we ever even visited here. And, and in the dream, there was this big room attached to the back of the auditorium. It was almost like a large warehouse that had all these conveyor belts of all kinds. And they were moving all these, we were, we were boxing. All of us were back there boxing these colorful, healthy vegetables to be put on trucks and sent out. And everybody was smiling and laughing and, and enjoying sharing healthy and life-giving things. And when she woke up, she felt like God said, Quest was going to be a really healthy, life-giving place. And that made her heart more interested in being a part and moving here from Oregon. And Thrive Counseling is a part of that, that God's already beginning to do among us. Project 29-7 Tutoring is a part of that healthy thing given into the community. Quest Care Benevolence Fund that we have that you can give to each week is a part of that. Financial Peace is a part of that. Your small groups are a part of that. You learning to pray and you learning to allow God's Spirit and His gifts to show up and make Himself known to people who want more than just rules in a religion but want to have a relationship is part of that. Learning to pray and care for your five is a part of that as you learn to be friends with people even in disagreement over issues of faith and politics you can actually talk and have a really healthy relationship even in the midst of that so for those of you who aren't familiar when we talk about our five we want everyone at quest to have five people in your life that you are in regular contact with that uh, either do not believe or are disconnected from active involvement in a church who you are praying for. You're asking God to show you ways to care for them. You're asking God to help make meaningful connections between your friends who are following Christ and those who are not so they get more friends. And, 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 and you're hoping eventually that they come to seek Christ again and find them, whether it's here at Quest or at another healthy church. Faith is holding on to the words, the promises God has made, specifically over you as individuals. Holding on to the dreams he has spoken over us corporately as a body of people who make up quest. And acting each day simply, sometimes simply, just sometimes just the simplest action, and sometimes boldly like Sister Annie and saying, this dream is from God, and even though I don't see it, I'm going to stay and I'm going to contend for it. What are the dreams and the hopes God has placed in your life? Faith is paying more attention to those promises God has spoken to you in your life than you pay to the circumstances or the feelings or the people around you through the ups and downs of life. See, we want growth and we want faith and success to look like this graph on the left. But the reality is, it looks life is actually like the graph on the right. Faith is being assured of what God is doing and will do regardless of what part of that graph your life is in. 
Hebrews goes on and says this, and it says, And without faith is it impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he he rewards those who seek him. Faith is what brings pleasure to God. See, we get it wrong in our lives a lot. We often think that our works are what bring pleasure to God. So we have to, the only way we can please Him is if we work hard enough, right enough, and long enough, right? But the focal point of God's pleasure towards us is on our faith. How we believe about Him and His promises and plans, even when life is flat or even when life is going down. Do we rest assured in our hearts of the picture of where he's going and where he's bringing us in life? Or do we just focus on the picture of our circumstances around us? You you may remember the next story. It was in the news a number of years ago. and It's had a book written about it called The Unlikely Angel and a movie made about it called The Captive. Ashley Smith, a little over a decade ago on an evening, uh, found herself in a dreadful situation. She was taken hostage by the Atlanta courthouse killer, Brian Nichols. Anybody remember that? About 10, 15, 10, 12 years ago. Ashley, at the time, was a 33-year-old widowed mother of a little girl. And Ashley found herself in her own apartment bound with a killer. Thankfully, her daughter was away for that night. As Ashley relates the story, she she says she talked all night with Nichols about her faith in Jesus and about God's hope for his life. In an interview later, she said, "I, I believe God brought Nichols to my door. That sounds like a gift of faith. Confidence, strength, enough calm to make it through one of the most dreadful situations that you shouldn't have had that kind of feeling towards. She talked with Nichols about how God had an amazing purpose for his life, how God, uh, he could, he, how God could work through him to bring his love and his forgiveness to prisoners even while he served the prison sentence that he was surely going to get. And God spoke through her to help Nichols see him see in himself a purpose and a hope that God still had for him even after he had done such horrible sins as rape and murder. In the end, Ashley Smith was freed. And Brian Nichols surrendered. Even in a difficult situation, there was God's pleasure and purpose to be found in faith. And this verse that we just read also shows the key way we get to that place of faith. Do you see it in the verse? Believing that God exists. Believing that God exists. And then what? That he rewards those who seek him. Ashley spent time helping Nichols see that God would indeed reward him if he sought him, even in a situation. I don't know about you. I know I struggle with this a lot of times. You struggle in the down times of life. Maybe sickness lasts a little longer than you want. Maybe you lose somebody to death unexpectedly or, or, or way too early in life. Or you experience a setback in your business or some area. And you struggle staying in that place of believing that God rewards those who seek him. When you're struggling to make a decision and you just can't figure out what God's will is, do you ever find yourself doubting Does God intend to even reward me in my seeking him? And the point the author here is trying to make is, yes, 
God will reward your seeking, your pursuit of something more, your pursuit of something better in life. Even though you don't see it, God is saying, I will indeed reward you. Have faith. Rest in the assurance of that promise. I mean, think about it. Throughout this chapter, he illustrates a lot of different characters. Abraham. Abraham waited for the fulfillment of the promise most of his life. And along the way, there were many good things, many amazing things that God did in his life in moments. And there were many times of just kind of going through life and even some really hard times. By the way, if you're a guy... Uh, and you want to get in a small group, Mitch Gibbons' group is studying the leaders, the great leaders of the Bible, and they're currently studying Abraham. It's a Friday morning uh, group that you might want to consider joining. And I think Abraham's story really speaks to us in another specific way as recorded in the text. Verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, By faith, he went to live in the land of a promise and in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. This is such a fascinating portion of Scripture. It has so much. We could probably spend an hour just on this verse alone, but we're going to focus just on the one phrase. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith is not just mental gymnastics. Faith is how we perceive reality of where life is going today and tomorrow, and that faith guides our actions. In the downturns in the graph of life, we get up each day, and when we trust God's picture more than we trust the picture of the world around us, we just simply get up and we do the next thing that shows we believe God is going to fulfill his promise and reward our faithfulness. It may be as simple as going to work and make that next phone call that you don't want to make because you believe God's promised to give you success and make you a blessing to the people around you through your work. It may be as simple as after fighting with your spouse the night before or getting up the next morning, and even though you don't really feel like it, you do an act of love and an act of service in that time just because that picture of what you're about to do is in line with the love that you know God has promised He wants you to have in your marriage because you trust your picture of God, uh, the God's picture of your marriage more than you trust your picture in that moment. It may mean just simply getting up and and making yourself praise God and thank Him for the good things and the promises, even especially when you don't feel like it. It may be taking bold actions too, like Sister Annie facing down death with faith. Or or it may be that God does call some of you to some big, hairy, audacious goals that He wants you to accomplish in life, and and you spend all your time gathering people around that that mission uh, uh, to achieve something that seems beyond you, beyond the ability to be achieved, and getting up each day and just taking the next step, even if it seems impossible to go in that direction. Wendy and I, many of you know, attended Oral Roberts University, and our, two of our kids have as well. In fact, we just dropped at least off there a little over a couple weeks ago, or a week, I lose track of time, recently. Uh, many of you know, or who, who remember who Oral Roberts is, uh, probably may remember the media's not-so-flattering portrayal of him taking some stuff out of context during a really, really high-pressure time of his life, late in his life. But what you may not know about Oral Roberts is his simple, 
humble, poor beginnings. He actually was born with a major stuttering problem in a very, not a very well-educated area of the country, not very well-educated himself, very, very poor. And as a new follower of Jesus, as a young man, God came to him and said, I want you to take my healing power to the nations. And later on, he would, God would add to that a few years later. He said, now, I don't want you just to be the one who takes the healing power, but I want you to multiply people who do that in all areas of life. So I want you to start a university that's going to train people to be spiritually, physically, and mentally whole, to take my light into every man's world, every person's world all around the globe. And God actually even again later refined that vision to be a force in cancer research so that he was not just praying for people to be healed of cancer, but he was also a part of finding medical solutions to people being healed of cancer. And that simple, poor, stuttering young man from a little town out in the middle of nowhere in Ada, Oklahoma, went around to preach all over the world. And he founded a university over 50 years ago that has one of the top 10 nursing schools in the nation today, Over 40, 000, around 40,000 graduates in the last 50 years, trained to work in politics and business and medicine and academics and law and counseling and pastors and missionaries all over the world. And the picture there you see of the 60-story and 20-story and 15-story skyscrapers that was kind of the focus of that media storm at a time when he was on the edge of losing it all because finances were so difficult, housed for many years one of the leading cancer research centers in the world and treatment centers in the world, fulfilling that dream that God had spoken to him as well. God rewarded the simple man's imperfect but persistent faith over the course of 70 years to do amazing things, for, especially for a teenager who couldn't hold a conversation because he stuttered so bad and he came from such poverty. Wendy and I loved our time there as students, but I think one of the things we loved the most was there was just this atmosphere there of believing God could use simple people like you and I, like all of us, to do amazing things. All over the campus, and uh, died into the carpet or in signs everywhere, were phrase, was this phrase, expect a miracle. And it just made you think different about God and about life and about God's dream for your life to be facing that all the time. Uh, expect a miracle was also on the basketball court, which that was really, I think there's a picture of that next, which uh, was a great thing except when they were so horribly bad that, that, that they... You know, you knew, knew they were never going to win. Then it became kind of a butt of all jokes. You know, expect a miracle, go to the basketball game tonight. How can we encourage each other to live each day expecting God to break into our existence and do a miracle? How can we encourage one another to have more faith in God's view of things than in circumstances or people? What dreams or calling has God given you and I here today that individually and corporately together as the people who make up Quest, God can help grow us in faith and give us gifts of faith when we need it to accomplish those things? There's another really powerful phrase in this text, and it begins with this in verse 39. It says, And all these, and the these it's referring to are all the great people of faith mentioned earlier in the chapter, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, Samson, King David, and Samuel. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive 
what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. There's a lot in that text, too, how God wants to give us dreams and visions that go beyond our lifetime. But, but let's just focus on this. Apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, if you look at this passage closely, certainly the main meaning of that us is those of us who have now seen and understood Jesus Christ and received the work of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus' work. But that main point does not take away from the point I'm about to make because it's also embedded in there and it's also actually embedded all the way throughout the book of Hebrews. It's one of the main reasons the book of Hebrews is written is that we don't grow and see all God wants all the promises God wants to fulfill, the rewards in life and faith he wants us to grow into unless we do it with us, the church. We cannot be perfected in our faith apart from us, vitally connected to the church, both in our generation and to past and future generations. There has to be that connection for us in order for God to perfect us. God, the Greek word actually there for perfected could also be translated complete. In other words, we can't be complete people. We can't see the whole picture of what God wants for our life and the good he wants for us to enjoy being a part of unless we are vitally connected to us his church. We hear God less perfectly alone. We experience God and know his goodness less perfectly alone. We understand less of his mission and purpose alone. We cannot fully know and grow in his character alone. The truth of us even comes down to the very essence of how we learn to hear God and know his will. The Bible teaches us that we hear God and we know God through the Scripture. We also learn to hear God through our prayer and through learning to be aware of His Holy Spirit being with us throughout the day. We learn to hear God because He's called ministers and other people to teach and help us to hear God through that teaching. And the lesson of the spiritual gifts, which is what this series has been all about, is God wants you to hear Him through others getting spiritual gifts that He gives to you, speaking to you in uniquely powerful ways through another person that you know that could only be God. And you learn to hear Him. Everywhere we look in the Bible, this faith thing is all about relationship. Throughout the Bible, it's being consistent with our relationship with our church is seen, being consistent in our relationship with our church is seen as an essential part of actually being healthy and growing in faith. There's a quick side thing out of this too that I want to comment on today. It's, I think it's a regular reminder we need to hear as an American church. Uh, because we have so many great options for churches around us. We too often easily, unknowingly undercut God's plan for growing our faith because we misinterpret what's going on in those flat times or those down times in that graph of life, whether it's our own faith or whether it's our church life. When it's going flat or down, we misinterpret it. We go through something in life for some reason that, and all of a sudden, uh, everything in life seems dull. It doesn't seem inspiring. Preaching and our music or our small group just isn't inspiring. Our children aren't doing well as like we want them to with church or their faith. And too often we change churches 
because we're not seeing everything we want to experience in that moment. But faith is what? Understanding God's hope and vision for his church. And what else is it? It's living with assurance, convinced he will do it even when we do not see what we want or what we're hoping for. See, too often, not all the time, there's good reasons to change, but too often when we switch churches to find, to find what we want, we un- undercut what God is trying to develop and grow in us in terms of that very faith, that faithfulness to his dream, to his church, to his, com- to his community, and to what he's told he'll bring in our lives, even when we don't see that being experienced in our current moment. See, rather than growing in faith, we look for an instant fix, and we'd never learn the lessons God wants us to grow of learning to have that confident, persuaded, persevering settledness of faith in our hearts, in the midst of the ups and downs, in the midst of imperfect relationships and the reality of life. We let what we see around us in humans and systems around us influence us more than God's promise and God's word. So our faith remains weak. And the ups and downs of life continue to feel much more dramatic than God intends them to feel in our life. Growing in faith, therefore, also means persevering faithfulness to the place and the people God has called us to journey with, even when we don't see all the promises we want. So the writer of Hebrews reminds us, apart from us, us together, we will not be made perfect, complete, or whole in our faith. Faith is an us thing, not an individual thing. God already has the seeds of big dreams and small important dreams in our hearts that he's spoken. The dreams in this room are greater together than anyone alone. How can we encourage every single one of us in this room to dream the dreams that God has given us and to pursue those with faith? How can we together, as a people called Quest, create an environment where we live life expecting God to show up, where we live life expecting a miracle? We've spent seven weeks now on these power gifts, and we're concluding that today of 1 Corinthians 12. And the Bible says that we're to eagerly desire these gifts. And we've seen these gifts already on display. We've seen a number of people healed physically this year. We've seen divine direction given to people in decisions that could only be God showing up and, and speaking to them. We've, we've seen God speaking through other people and, and, and people walking away going, that could have only been God and God became known to them in that moment. I want this message to do for you today what it did for me this past week. It encouraged me once again to remember God's promises. And it poured gas on the flame, the the flame within me of wanting to thank God for those promises again. And it made me recite those promises again in my mind to look back at them and say, this is what God has said. Not me. This is what God has said for us, for me, for my family. And it led me to worship. And in the midst of that, God came and caused my heart to settle just a little more even in me, an assurance and confidence 
that he wants me to live in. And he wants that same thing for you. He wants your heart today to remember those promises and to settle that much more deeply that he's got it. Whether you're in a downtime, whether you're in a flat time, or whether you're in an uptime, it doesn't matter. It's God that's got it for you. And you can have faith in that today. Lord, we ask that your spirit would come right now as we continue to worship. And I pray that you would help all of us, uh, that you would flash before all of our minds all the things that you've promised to us, the, 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 the words of Scripture that you said, that's for me. That's what you want me to live in. And, and the things that you've spoken specifically or the dreams that you've given that are from you specifically about who we're to be in this world and how we're to make a difference and how you've spoken to us. Lord, would you flash all those things before us again today? And then, Lord, would your spirit come now as we continue to worship and settle our hearts into this place of faith. Distribute your gift of faith even today among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.